This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bioproven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. You wouldn't expect a chef from Tuscany to be dishing up fabulous food in the small town of Mulvane, Kansas. Learn how the restaurant was founded and how citizens convinced absentee property owners to be a part of the process of bringing this town back to life. Luciano's is just one of several businesses that is doing well in an unexpected place. It's a plan that could work in much of rural and agricultural America. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside and is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. We're in the middle of corn harvest here on the farm, and I recently picked the corn in our Pivot Bioproven field trial. You may remember that Pivot Bioproven adheres to the root of the corn plant, creating a mutually beneficial nitrogen-generating partnership that stays strong all the way through harvest. Pivot Bioproven's microbes are weather-resistant and sustainable. It's a great way to achieve more predictable, more productive yields than ever before. So, what were our results? Well, our corn using Pivot Bioproven outyielded the non-treated corn by seven bushels per acre. The second year in a row, we saw a yield boost. Even more exciting, though, is the opportunity to replace some of our synthetic nitrogen since Pivot Bioproven can be a proven source of nitrogen throughout the growing season. And, of course, that's a big factor, especially in this time of higher input prices. We'll continue to share more results and thoughts throughout the rest of this year, and you can always learn more about Pivot Bio and field trials throughout the nation by going to pivotbio.com. Nancy Multala grew up in Mulvane, Kansas, but soon after graduating high school, she looked for other places in the country and the world to explore. She came from a longtime farm family just south of Wichita, and although she enjoyed coming home to visit, she perhaps did not see herself making her old hometown her permanent hometown someday. The story of how and why she came back is interesting in its own right, but when you talk with Nancy about the transformations taking place in this agricultural community, you quickly see that we can all learn much from Mulvane, Kansas, about how to work with absentee property owners, local business people, and the community at large to create a place more people want to call home. So take me back. You grow up in Mulvane, but then fairly early in life, you decide to leave here and kind of see the world. So what leads you on this this journey? So I left Mulvane right after high school. Um, I thought there was a big world out there and I wanted to see what it was all about. And I was worried I was missing out on something. But um, I lived in, I've lived all over the U.S. And I moved to Switzerland because I wanted to travel and see as much of the world as possible. When I was living in Los Angeles, I actually got my American sailing certification to charter sailboats. And I thought I would sail around the world, right? But I came back to visit my father, who's this Kansas farmer, who'd never come and visit me in Los Angeles because he absolutely wanted nothing to do with it, which I understand. And I asked my dad, Larry Farber, I asked him, if you could see any part of the world, what would you like to see? And he said, well, I've always been interested in seeing the Swiss Alps. So he doesn't know that that was the reason I moved to Switzerland, but 
I was six months later and I moved to Switzerland. I taught English as a foreign language. So that's how I was able to go and support myself in that. Um, I had no money and um, just this great desire to be as independent as possible. And I moved to Switzerland and I eventually found a job um, and taught in a school and then moved home. And then a few years, well, one year later, moved back to Italy. And I lived in Italy for three years uh, teaching English as a foreign language to adults. So I met Luciano at the end of my first year there. Um, he was best friends with one of my students, and we were fantastic friends uh, that first year of knowing each other. There, were, there was a group of us. There were five of us. Our relationship grew. Um, after September 11th, uh, again, my father, not realizing how much influence he had because my father was pretty proud, um, and I was very independent, and we didn't always get along. We, could, we were both pretty strong personalities. After September 11th, and I mean a month after, and I was going back to Europe, he said, could you just consider moving back to the States? And um, he said, I'll help you financially move back. And I said, I, you know, I, I'm an adult. I don't need that. Um, and he didn't know it, but that comment about moving back to the States helped to solidify my choice that I, that would be my last year, that would be my last contract there, and that I would come back to the States and stay a few years to see if my life here would be good. And at that point, it was pretty early in the relationship with Luciano. I mean, we'd been friends. I definitely knew him, but I didn't know if our relationship was meant to be forever. So I used, we used that year to figure out what we wanted to do. And when I brought Luciano here back to the States, I know what it's like to move to a foreign country. So I said, well, it's my country and my language, so we can go wherever you want. And I took him to Denver, Colorado, and I took him to places in Wyoming and Montana, and I took him to California, and I brought him back here to visit my family, and he's been here twice, once during wheat harvest, which was an amazing thing for someone to witness if they're not from here. Of course, those are things that we just take for granted. And um, then we drove through the Flint Hills on the way in our travels, and he was blown away by the beauty there. And then I brought him back another time, and we happened to drive through some hills with some sunflowers, sunflower fields. And he said, oh, my goodness, this is, this is farm country. This is like Tuscany in many, many ways. And also, look, Kansas, comparing Kansas with Tuscany, I understand that that seems asinine. But if you've lived in these places, you understand that the people have a very similar mentality. Family is important. Your word matters. If you say you're going to do something, you need to have integrity and do that thing. Um, you need to help your neighbor. You need to be community-minded. Um, and you need to work hard. So... So you come back here, you then marry, and what decides, what makes you decide to, hey, Mulvane is the place where we want to put down roots and establish a restaurant here? Luciano likes small towns, and uh, my family and many of my family's friends really um, didn't let the language barrier interfere with their perceptions and feelings about Luciano, which helped him feel safe and welcomed. So he said, if we're going to have a family and if we're going to start our lives, I want to do it in a place where I feel like a part of the community or where I feel like there's a potential to be a part of the community. And so he said, let's 
go to Mulvane, which I at first thought, um, well, that absolutely that makes sense because at that time we were still newly married and um, thought we would have children and they needed to be uh, raised in a community where my family um, is located. So that really brought us back. Um, but Luciano leading that, saying, no, this this town, this small town feel and the authenticity of the people in the Midwest, that's where he felt safest because he didn't have to try to interpret what they meant. Yeah, the language is a problem, but the mentality was not a problem. So when you then decide to establish a restaurant here, what did this downtown look like? Was there much here? Was it uh, going through your mind of, is this really what we want to to do? Or was it something you said, no, this is the perfect place for this? It's the perfect place for this. No hesitation. Look, I've lived in many big cities. We could have opened this thing anywhere we wanted to. And, um, you know, there are beautiful spots north of Santa Barbara that are just stunning places to open businesses and to create life, uh, to create a a life together. Uh, Plus the access to the produce in some of these other states is amazing. But that's not where my family is. And that's not where I was called to be. I don't know about how other people make decisions about where to live. Those people like me who move a lot, but you get a feeling or an intuition about a place and that's your right move. And that's where you go. You follow that intuition and there was no hesitation. And if we're going to live in Mulvane or if we're going to live in Kansas, honestly, why would we do this anywhere but here? And the downtown didn't look great. The thing is, I grew up here, so I know what this looked like in the 70s before Carter's grain embargo. I know what this looked like before uh, Walmart went in in Derby. I know the potential. I also knew uh, my experience of living in these large cities and how people were really sort of rejecting these larger places where everything was the same, and they were seeking out Um, the independent owner in these larger cities. And I had the experience of living in Europe where that never went out of style. Luciano and I, it's not just about what we're doing. It's also about where we're doing it and being a part of it. Like, it was meant to be. Well, I realize that it wasn't just you. There There were others here. But I do want to talk about those vacant buildings for a moment because sometimes small towns it's hard for people to acquire those buildings or convince people they should, you know, do some upkeep or make them so people would want to move into them. I think you had a key role in helping that happen. How did you convince somebody that owns some of these buildings that they should sell or or do some of this? Because you had a key role in that. Well, first of all, I did a lot of listening. And um, and there's history. And I, I, I... I have history here myself. I knew this, I've known this person, this family for a long time. And I uh, never had a issue of picking sides, although people in my family had. He was certainly angry with people in my family. Um, and he let me know that. And that's okay. I just listened. And I made sure to hear what his dreams were and his vision 
um, I wanted to know how he really felt in order for him to feel heard. And the more he talked, then the more I could hear that it was an issue of pride for him, an issue of hurt feelings, um, as much as he probably would deny that his feelings were hurt. And he's older now. 30 years have passed. So he needed to be heard. He was still very angry. It was a very sore subject for him. But he was really, I could also hear that he was ready. And as long as I um, would listen to his concerns and consider what he had to say and speak to him honestly, I couldn't patronize him. I'm, it's not in my personality anyway. And so there are times when I disagreed with him, but I did so in a way that was respectful. So it, he knew I was being authentic. And I just explained to him with a, a ton of respect, because I do respect him, you're playing a part in this, and you still have a choice of what part you're going to play. And so if you, and many, many times he told me I should just bulldoze them all. Um, and that was just him trying to probably bully not me personally, but bully the concept of him not getting what he wanted. This takes place over a long period of time, but what was eventually the answer? Because you didn't personally purchase those buildings. How did the town, how did they begin to acquire these properties, and then what begins to happen to them? Well, the very short answer to that, (laughs) I'm oversimplifying, but the very short answer is a land bank. So there were many people that continued to come to the table and try to solve the problem. And again, there wasn't a focus on who's to blame. There was just a focus on how do we solve the problem. And um, the most logical way to solve it, uh, because of the number of buildings that we're talking about, we're not, there were 13 properties, um, and they were complicated. It, it was, there were complications and who truly owned them and all the back taxes that were due on the properties. And these properties, um, some of them were in decent condition and others were, um, I mean, they were talking about, well, they were falling down, frankly. I mean, there were walls that had fallen down. So uh, it, it, they were in bad shape. So, so who could tackle that? Like that is a huge project to take on eventually, not immediately, but eventually the city uh, took on that role. And the city created a land bank, um, and that's a lot of legal work um, and some permits or some annual filing of um, documentation to make that happen. And I think probably an estimate would be, you know, you spend about $5,000 depending on your Uh, legal counsel and you create a land bank or we created a land bank and the land bank then um, purchased these buildings from this owner. You want to see your town succeed but this was important to you with a business here on on Main Street too right? Okay yes but here's the thing (laughs) we could have made a lot more money if we opened this business in Wichita. Um, It's a pretty easy it's pretty easy if you know how to write a business plan and you can do traffic counts or it's pretty obvious that this business would be a lot more successful in a city that's 20 minutes away or even in Derby, which is three minutes away or 10 minutes away. I don't care. I'm sorry. I mean, 
I'm not saying I don't care about Derby or Wichita or these other sister cities. They're important because they, we all work together. But my heart isn't there. So we opened in Mulvane because I cared about this Main Street. And I wanted to play my part. Um, I didn't know what part that would be. Maybe it would just be a business opened, um, which we opened this in 2005. And... What I love about small towns is um, the ability to make a very big difference with very few resources. It doesn't take very many people. It doesn't take very much money. It really doesn't take all that much work to make very cool things happen in small communities. But what I don't like about small towns is that people tend to know one another so well that sometimes when a person wakes up and decides that they're going to do better, even if it's just a small thing, um, they're still treated as if they're not making any changes because we all know each other. So it takes real tenacity and real courage for someone to make changes. And I think um, if we could all be just a little kind kinder to one another in small communities of course there are people there are people in this community that are always open to that change this is radio so people can't see it but describe what's happened to those buildings you now have businesses in many of them were you active in helping say hey come back start a business how did that develop because main street certainly looks different than it did probably 20 years ago oh wow yes um well i mean it certainly looks different i don't mean to say that i was pivotal in all of that I played my role right and we made um, we made sure that any business that came in was welcomed you know typically if you open a business in a community there's jealousy or a concern of such competitiveness that there's not really um, that much encouragement or that much sharing of information but instead uh, what we tried to do was set a tone where if you had a question, uh, reach out. If you just want to know where we think you can get the bre- best price on gift cards, or if you want to have a bigger conversation about how to hire and may, and and retain really good employees, or uh, you know anything you want to talk about as far as uh, owning a business and operating a business goes, and we want to help. And the other thing that we did was create opportunities or reasons basically for people to come to our area so we created events specifically uh, in locations so that we would drive foot traffic in front of these businesses and we also were incredibly careful that we didn't go and ask them can you please give us money because we're going to have this event we want to do a fundraiser can you please give us money so that we can have this event and pay these people can you please give us something so that we can raffle off we were incredibly careful that instead of asking what the businesses could do for us that instead we were telling the businesses hey, we're going to have an event 
we're going to try to drive 100 people or 500 people down here on these days at this time. We want you to know that you can participate in this in any way you want. If you want to open your doors later, great. If you want to put a sign in the window saying, these people, welcome to these people. We have these things for you or we'll give you a discount, great. If you don't want to do that, don't. It's totally up to you. We're not here to interfere. We're just here to help. We have two Italian restaurants on this street. We are one, and Amy's is the other. They both have their place. It's a different price point. It's a different experience. And frankly, she's fantastic, and her place is fantastic, and they have fantastic employees, and they have fantastic food. And if I had a softball team full of girls, or if I was just going to lunch with my friend, I would be happy to meet them at this other Italian place, and I would enjoy it. I'm glad that they're there. And we have our spot, and we do what we do. And it's a different experience, but we're all, we all fit here together at the same time. And yes, we're competing for dollars, but there's enough. People need to stop thinking that the pie is a finite amount of dollars and they have to realize that the pie can be a bigger pie so your piece is the same piece but your piece is actually bigger because the pie got bigger as someone who has lived a lot of places not only in this country and around the world what is it that you wish more folks from small town america knew about making this happen because some days it's pretty easy just to say i'm going to throw up my hands and go somewhere else because it's hard but you came back here what is it you'd say to others that may think about i'd like to open a luciano's in my hometown i'd like to open this but i just don't know if i can make it happen or i don't know if i can do it you've been a part of a success story here what would you like them to know well, first of all, thank you very much for saying that <laughs> we're a success story because it's a struggle. Um, but we have been here a while, and I would share with that person, hey, if, if this is your drive and this is your, this is your path, then um, start planning and get your money right. And don't think that marketing doesn't matter. You have to hustle and you have to work hard and you have to try it look two things are going to happen one you're going to open your business that you dreamed about that you planned about you're going to work hard at it and it's going to work right congratulations you're living the dream it's also a ton of work to live that dream so congratulations you're also working you're, you know, it's like farming, for goodness sakes. Yeah, it's success. You can make some money some years, but uh, maybe not every year. And it's a bit of a gamble. But if you like that risk and you're comfortable with that, then maybe it's for you. However, there's something else that can happen. You can do all this work and make all these plans and save all this money and really have everything correctly done, open the doors and figure out that it, that you've lost, that it didn't work out. Okay, well, you still know that you tried, you've learned something from it. Hopefully you didn't spend, hopefully you could were honest enough with yourself to see that it wouldn't work. So you didn't bring too many people and too much money down with you because you were honest about it. Um, but you've, you've still learned and people who, I have respect for anyone who goes through what it takes just to get your doors open. 
those people who've been in business for two months, two months, and then close their doors, they know a secret about my life and I know a secret about theirs. It's like being in a club and you can't articulate what that means until you do it. And once you've done it, then we know. And anyone who says they don't have respect for somebody who's gone through that, whether they succeed or fail, is not really being honest about the experience. So um, my, my suggestion is find a mentor, be honest, and you're going to need more money than you thought you did. And you're going to have to work longer hours than you thought you were. Just do it. If that's what you want, do it. But be honest with yourself. At the end of the day, though, it's been a good move for you. Yes, I absolutely have no regrets. And it's, we've played our part, and we continue to play our part. We just want to leave it better than we found it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bragging. I still remember what this was like in the 70s, and we're not there yet. We've got some work to do. It's just a different level now. Nancy would be quick to tell you there are a number of people that are part of Mulvane's revitalization. But just know it's worth a trip to eat, shop, and discover how this town has become more purposeful and intentional about helping the agricultural community survive and thrive. And fittingly, with this story on rural improvement, I always like to share our Total Town Makeover website where people are finding ideas on how they can help their small towns and agricultural communities. We've got lots of TV and radio features there under the Resources tab. I think you'll find a lot of helpful info, and you can find that at TotalTownMakeover.com. And you can follow that same page on Facebook for updates as well. I appreciate you joining us. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com.